Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Man, this is such a great time to be together this morning. Uh, hey, if you haven't had a chance to meet me, I want to introduce myself. My name is Joel, and I am honored to be the Care and Connections Pastor here at Love Chapel Hill. And uh, we are excited to be here together, those of you here and also online. Uh, this is actually not the first Sunday we've gathered as a church family. Last week, we were filling the halls of the lobby and even the small theater, enjoying a, a wonderful meal together on, on uh, January 1st. Many of you watched Toy Story. How was that, by the way? Who saw that? There you go. There you go. But today is the first Sunday as a church family that we are coming together in a position of worship. And to honor that, to kind of set the tone for this day and for this new year, I thought we'd open up in a prayer. So for those of you who are here, and maybe those watching online, if you are able, ask everyone to bow their heads, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we as a church thank you for a new year together. Lord, in this new season, lead us to draw near to you. Lord, with a fresh perspective, prepare us to be like you. Lord, in this new chapter, Open our eyes to see you as you are and not as we expect you to be. Make your path known to us, which we only learn from being in your presence. Remove any veil from our eyes that stop us from seeing your true glory. Reveal yourself, Lord. Reveal yourself to us. We ask to be in your presence, to see your glory face to face, to learn from you how to follow you all the days of our lives in Chapel Hill, or wherever we abide. Lead each of us to tell others of your ways and how you changed us. We stand with you in your mission to reconcile this world, as you established so long ago your mission to heal the brokenhearted, to set the spiritual captives free, to heal our bodies and spirit, to liberate us from oppression, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is your way. This is your heart. This is what happens when you manifest yourself to us. We are changed and made new. The light overcomes the darkness. The world is forever changed. On this day of epiphany, we ask, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, we ask all this for Love Chapel Hill as we stand in your hope and revelation. Amen. Amen. Man, wow. How was everybody's Christmas Day? Is it good? Yeah? All right. Here for a few. This was okay for a few folks. I've heard a lot of people telling stories of some nice relaxing times and enjoying the day. Uh, my, my family and I, we did too. We had a great time. Uh, nice, quiet day. Uh, I have a seven-year-old, about to be eight years old at the end of this month. We're about to celebrate him. And uh, we, of course, the joy of a, being a parent uh, for a child that age is it's just wonderful to see their hopes and expectations and everything that's met on that morning and excitement. Um, my wife and I got him, uh, got, got him several gifts, and he's so appreciative, he's so kind about it, but one of his uh, gifts that he got, his favorite gifts, was this watch. Um, we got him that, it, it's kind of a, like, I guess it's kind of a smart watch, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of for kids, built for kids. Basically, all it can do is, uh, it can text my wife and I, and uh, like for some preset texts, and some, uh, he, can, he can make a little voice recording, kind of help the, uh, help it when he's out playing with his friends. He can say, hey, can I stay a little longer, or we can ring the d dinner bell and let him know to come home. 
And uh, so we like having that for him. He enjoys it. Well, also has the ability to do emojis. And if you set a seven-year-old loose with his own set of emojis texting you, you can only imagine. So I thought I'd share with you this morning. This is this first. Uh, there you go. There you go. It's already up there. Yeah, so this is the very first. I'm sitting, Christmas morning, he's playing with This is the very first text I'm getting from my son. I get it. I love you. And little, you know, hard eyes. He's so sweet. Great guy. I get, I get a dog. We have a couple of dogs. He loves dogs. And then, and then, <laughs> then we get a poop emoji. I'm just going to say, right? Yeah, another dog and a poop emoji. So I don't, I don't and I, I should have screenshot more. The rest of it was not the dog or the love you, trust me. And uh, so he, he's really enjoyed that. I don't know if he's trying to tell me something about our dogs. I think I needed to take them out, I think. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I wanted to share that with you, get a little laugh. And because uh, we're, you know, I keep talking about Christmas. We even sang a Christmas song or a traditional Christmas song this morning. There's a reason for that. So those of you that might be new and love Chapel Hill around this time of the year, or maybe have not been a part of a faith, ex- faith expression that follows the church calendar, uh, we like to do so, and we do this on purpose, and uh, we uh, enjoyed that this is, Christmas is actually a season, a fuller perspective, not just one day. It starts, uh, well, for me, and probably for many of you, it started November 1st, listening to the Christmas music, planting out the Christmas tree, and I know many of you are probably keeping your tree up until Easter. You're my people. You're my people. I believe in you. It's okay. It's good. Don't let them, don't let them talk you down. Uh, but the church calendar starts officially uh, this, the time of Advent, which usually is right around the last Sunday of November. It takes us four Sundays until Christmas Day. And we, for the last month, uh, had gone through the series of the coming of the King, which was the expression of Advent of, yes, acknowledging and celebrating Jesus coming to this earth to save us, but also in the anticipation of he's coming again to finish the job. And we enjoyed that season. And then the church calendar takes us to Christmas Day. But not just a day in the calendar is actually 12 days. I'm sure you've heard of the 12 days of Christmas song. Now, I'm not sure where the theological aspect of that crazy shopping list comes from, but you don't need any geese or doves or drummers coming your way. But it is a 12 days of Christmas, which comes down to January 6th. January 6th is known as the day of Epiphany. Well, today's the 8th, so Merry Christmas two days ago, my friends. But uh, we are going to celebrate that today here as a church. So today is Epiphany. So what is Epiphany? It's a wake-up call. It's a day of illumination. It's a discovery of who Jesus is. The Savior for all the world, a Savior for every person, no matter where they are or where they come from, or who they are or what they have done. A Savior that meets us in the darkest moments to be a light for us to find hope. Today is a day to celebrate the stories of people encountering God and being forever changed. A day to remember that our stories of our encounters with Jesus matter to us and to those around us. Today is a day to realize the impact our stories have on others as we tell them. These stories found in the scripture and just as well as in our lives, they come from a real time, a real place, and from a real people. Real stories relevant today as it is yesterday. This is a day we celebrate those and we learn from them. Now the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, tells a very particular story that is often told and, and thought through and prayed through on the day of Epiphany. It's the story of the Magi, or you may know them as wise men. Their story of life change that opened up the door to the world can be replicated by all of us 
The Magi story is only told in the book of Matthew. It's not told in John, Luke, or Mark, or the other Gospels where the stories of Jesus' life. It's only told in Matthew, and there's important parts to that, because Matthew's audience, who he was writing his book to, was generally read by a Jewish Christian audience. To add the context of the Magi story uh, to a Jewish Christian audience would have been mind-opening. A story included people that was not Jewish coming to the Christ, coming to the King. A story that tells that Jesus' mission is for the whole world. It's not just to fill out the nativity scene that adds a few more folks to the, to the uh, baby shower, but it's a story that illuminates God's plan for the world through his son Jesus. This story comes before any sermon was ever spoken, before the Beatitudes, before the Sermon on the Mount, before a single parable was told, before any miracles performed, before any blood or water was turned to wine, before any water was walked on, before Lazarus came from the tomb, before his own uh, cru- crucifixion and resurrection, we see a story exemplifying and initiating the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. So this story is told every year in Epiphany in churches around the world. This is the story of the Magi. You want to read it? Let's read it. There you go. All right, we're going to be in Matthew 2, 1 through 12 this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can go there. If not, it'll be on the screen and we can all read it together. Uh, okay, here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, heard the king they went on their way. And the star they had seen, when it rose and went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the Magi story. Who were this Magi? And why did Matthew feel that it was important to tell? Well, first is the story of the star, that God draws all people to himself. Second is that he demonstrated a plan to save the world. And lastly, the Messiah is for all people, which would have been revolutionary for the audience he was writing to, the people, the Jewish people. Let's start with the star. What's up with this star? Why is there a star? Magi noticed it. Why? Why just the Magi? Was God communicating just to them? I kind of like to think so, just looking at the aspects of the story. They, the star comes out of nowhere, something that they would no, have noticed. They're also taken, we see they come to Herod's place, and Herod doesn't quite know where the star is, but yet they do. There's even mention of the star moving. 
Now, if you can believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I'm sure you can believe a star can move. Or maybe it's something that only they could see. God drawing them in to a place to be present. The point is, this is their story, but the point is that God does draw people to him. He is a God that is not passively waiting and just for us to come to him. He is actively pursuing and seeking us out. We know this even beyond this story where Jesus says in John 12, 32, he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This is the heart of God, that we are his creation he loves, and he seeks us out, and he brings us to him. Jesus was making this statement in in preparation for his crucifixion of being lifted up, knowing that we would be drawn to his sacrifice for us. This was God's mission. This was his plan. But to realize that the creator of all things is seeking you out, is seeking me out, seeking us out, it's mind-blowing. That's his love. He's drawing you to him. He's drawing all of us to him. He's seeking us out. I want to ask you this morning, what was your star? What was your star moment? I want you to think about that as we talk today. What drew you to Jesus? Also, what, was, what do you think his plan is for you? Because he has a plan here, and this is what we can learn from. The Magi didn't just show up. This is not just a random story that Luke wanted to, or Matthew wanted to include. This was foretold many years before they came. There's a couple of attached prophecies that are to the wise men. Let's read those real quick here, just so you can give some context. First one's in Psalm 72. May the kings of Tarshish and the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations give him service. Then in Isaiah 60, nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. You probably heard a lot of key words in those sections that match what Matthew was trying to describe. Now, other than we see here, this is where the, the, the Magi get the king title from, where you get the song, We Three Kings. Well, first of all, it wasn't necessarily three. We don't know. The scripture does not tell us. It is often assumed that by the three gifts, and that's fine, whether it's three or 12. But they get this king title from these passages. They were not kings, but they were advisors to kings. They spoke with kings. That was their role. That was their job. We see this even with Herod in this story. But this is important. It shows that the story was always a part of the plan. The Magi were not just, again, something to fill out the room of the birth of Christ. It was an intention, intention to bring them into the story. So what was this intention? And this is why Matthew includes it. We talked about it earlier. But the Magi represent a plan to save the world and not just a particular people. The Magi are from the east, as we read in the scripture. They're not from Israel. They're not Jewish. They're probably from Persia or Babylon, the popular eastern districts of that time. They also were not Jewish, but they came to worship a Jewish king. They were pagans. They were wise men. They were mystics. They were astrologers studying the stars, as mentioned, mentors to the kings. They even practiced a little magic. And they were Gentiles. 
just like probably most of us in this room. And what that means in the Jewish context, Gentile is somebody who is not Jewish, somebody outside. They were also wealthy. They had gifts, as we could see, most likely wealthy beyond the gifts. Most likely had re- many resources that they were able to travel so far to follow something shining in the sky. They're, but they're very knowledgeable. They understand Jewish scripture, a place where they didn't come from. They also were able to sit with kings. They were well-respected. They were from someplace else, coming to a very poor place in a poor town, in a poor home, with a poor family, with a very young child vulnerable. Why is this important? Why does Matthew think this is important? Because it shows that the Messiah is for everyone. Those outside of all expectations. From this audience that was reading this would be like, wow, why are you including these people? There must be something to this. But what we can learn today is that we don't have to look a certain way. We don't have to be a certain way. We don't have to reach any prerequisites to find God. That the door is open and this is his mission to change the world through everyone. And this is true today. Let's sum up real quick here the story of the Magi. So what we've learned, they, that they were part of a plan. They were always part of a plan, just like we are part of his plan. They represented the world. Messiah, the Messiah is for all people. And God chose them. He lured them to them through a star to find the Messiah. Now, the Magi leave the story in verse 13, not to be seen again in the scriptures. Not necessarily know what happened to them. There is some church tradition, and I'll just kind of walk us through that. So if you hear that, and understand that. It's not biblical, but it's extra biblical, but some understandings that they did skim down to three people, have actually given them names. They are mostly known as Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthasar. There's actually today, you could go to a place in Germany, and somewhere around the second or third century, they found some bones, and they attributed them to the Magi. There is a tomb and a shrine that you can go and celebrate the Magi today. Now, we don't know what happened to them. We know that they left and they moved on, but we do know a few things. We know they were drawn to Jesus. We know they came and worshiped him. Imagine this. You're waking up in the morning, or waking up, or coming in the evening, and you see something shining in the stars. You're an educated person. This is your job. It's out of the norm. You somehow, some way, come to this connection to this prophecy of a country that's not even yours. Right? You follow this. You decide to actually go follow this star to see where it goes and lead you. You end up in Bethlehem. It takes you, literally the scripture mentions it moving from the point where it left Herod's place. It takes you to a place, takes you to a home where there's a young mother with a baby. And you worship it. And you, prov- and you provide these very expensive gifts. How can you walk away from that and not be forever changed? It wasn't just an experience, something fun to do. We don't know what they did, but we do know that they had to have been changed. Because when we experience Jesus, don't we change? Aren't we something new? They were one way when they started their journey. They were wise men, magicians, pagans, astronomers, many other things. When they arrived, they became worshipers, worshipers of the king. They experienced the miracle of becoming there. When they left, they were, when they came, they were one way. When they left, they were another the Magi's story is not just a historical account of the birth of Jesus, but the beginning of impact of the manifestation, manifested Christ in this world. Matthew chose to tell this story for a reason. 
so that we can understand that God draws us in. He takes us to him. He's for all of us. We're not excluded. To expand our heart, expand the hearts of the people who read this, to teach the Jews that Jesus was for all. I'm not sure if Paul ever heard this story. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But we see evidence between him and the many disciples who went to all the world and told of Jesus and the encounter they had with him. That's why this is important today. So we're going to turn the page to the end of Matthew now. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Let's look at the end. We have at the very end, right before he ascends to heaven, he has already risen from the dead, and he gives what's called what we're known today as the Great Commission. Let's read it together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew telling the story, knowing who his audience was, was living out this great commission. He was making sure that the people, the Jewish people, knew that the Messiah was for all. Lives were changed because of that. People opened their doors to people that were outside of them, those that probably would have traditionally outcasted or looked different upon or feared. They saw that the gospel was for all. Matthew knew telling this story would make a difference. So did the other gospel writers and all the stories they tell about Jesus. They were living this out actively. But the same is for today. This has not ended. The more this story and others that Jesus has been told moves and changes the lives, it's probably somebody told you something someday that's what brought you even here today or maybe even listening today. To introduce the story of Jesus to all people, and he does draw us all in. And then we can tell of the same truth. That love broke the boundaries set by sin and opened the doors for those who are hurt, broken, cast out of society to find purpose, life, and hope through Jesus. The same true as it was yesterday is the same true today. The best way for people to encounter Jesus is to tell them our stories and how we changed. If you were one way, and you are now another, are you willing to tell your story? Are you willing to tell others what Jesus did for you? Will you tell them about the wake-up call you had, that enlightenment of the truth of Jesus? I know um, I've heard many of your stories. I've heard many, many of your stories, and I appreciate every one of them, and I know them, and I cherish them, and I love that you have told me them. And I've seen this in action, even within this own faith community. My friend Cole, we was talking earlier, and I was reminded of about a month ago, um, I was walking down Franklin Street, and he was, he was there kind of near in the corner where Raising Canes will be one day whenever they finish it. Um, we were hanging out, we were talking, and we were talking about the story, where on Tuesday nights we have Bible study, and we go through the book of John, and we were excited, and we were just talking about the things we had learned that week. And next thing you know, somebody else is coming up, and they're listening to us, and they, they, they're asking questions, and another person comes up and starts asking more questions, and and the next day, we're getting some deep theological questions from folks just being drawn in in that moment of a star for those that needed to hear the gospel of that day. And I thank Cole for that. Because he, spe- he speaks it because it's changed him. It wasn't a, a point of like, oh, I need to do this following some sort of action or a checkoff list of telling others about Jesus, but it was something real and alive in him, and he wanted to share it. It was powerful. 
I've heard many of you that today. And to lead the way this year, I'm going to tell my story. Sorry, it's, uh, it's always um, challenging. <laughs> Love you too. Ah, so, I grew up in church, probably a like, lot like many of you, maybe not some, but I grew up in a church. It was a good church for the most part. I had good parents that loved the Lord. They taught me a lot about him and what they knew. There was some unhealthy theological things that did exist in that church. And as I grew, I began to see some unhealthy things and experience some unhealthy things. And a lot like many people's story, at an early age, 18, 19 years old, I decided I'm not sure about this anymore. I'm not sure about these people anymore. I'm not sure I can trust them. And so I decided to go on my own. I decided to step out. And I was like, well, I, I'm not going to put this on Jesus. This is the people, and I'm going to still try to follow him. But the more I started seeing cracks in what I, the truth that I had been told, I started to question more and more. And I got to the point where I wasn't sure Jesus was real. And I will admit I became probably would be classified as agnostic. And I did this for 10 years. And in that time, I was also released to live in the world and to experience it fully. I was very successful in my career, but I also was very successful in doing unhealthy things, both to myself and others. And I lived this life for 10 years, trying to find the next thing to somewhat satisfy this gap I was feeling in my life, something that I felt missing, and I didn't know what it was. It was a serious gap, and I kept looking for it, and I thought I would find it every time, and every time felt even more wanting. And on, in 2009... I started to become very sick, very sick. And I saw about 30 doctors during this short period of time, and none could figure it out. Some didn't even believe me. But I got to the point where I could barely get out of the bed. I had some amazing roommates that helped me. I just turned 30 years old. Still young, still had a lot of dreams that I wanted to live out. I wanted to be married, I wanted to have children. I wanted to do things in life, and I felt like those things were coming to an end. And nobody would know why. On Christmas Eve, 2009, this faithful night, I thought it was my last night on this earth. I wasn't going to call for help because I had done so many, so many times before and found none. And I began to think, well, this is it. I grabbed a pen and paper and I said, I'm going to write down, I don't know, something for somebody to find and it made me pause and think about my life. And what was screaming at me was this huge gap that I'd been searching for. And I didn't understand it. And I felt like my life had no purpose, no meaning. And then the star came for me. I ended up looking across my room, and I saw on my, on my desk, mail. <laughs> mail. So the week before... I had a day where I was feeling a little strong, and my roommate helped me go outside. I asked him, can you help me go get the mail? I just wanted to get outside, feel the fresh air. And he helped me get out there, and we, we laughed, had a good time. Opened the mailbox, there was only one piece of mail. It was a mailer from a church. 
Normally this ends up in the fire from the fire pits or the trash can. But in this moment, I took it and I popped my friend on the head and I said, you need to go to church, man. And he grabbed it and popped me in the head and he said, no, you need to go to church. And something is like, I heard those words like resonating. Like, I don't know. It, It was a little epic, a little weird. So I couldn't throw this thing away. I put it on the end of my desk in my room. Didn't touch it. Didn't look at the website. Didn't look what this was. I just knew it was a church. Didn't even really look at the name. But on that night, Christmas Eve, I looked and saw that. I just felt something come over me like, that's the path to the, filling the gap. So I prayed a real prayer for the very first time in over 10 years. And I said, Lord, if you're real, if you love me, you'll get me better and I'll go to that church. I'm still here. It was not an easy path, but I got better enough. And I honored that. And I went. I'm so thankful I did. The pastor was there, and I didn't realize the church had just started. If I went that day, it wouldn't have been existed. If I went when I saw it, it wouldn't have existed. This was God drawing me in. That pastor took me under his wing. He mentored me. He discipled me. Brought me into ministry. Today, well, even then, I called my friends, the friends that also left the church we grew up in, the the pain we were feeling. And I told them what had happened. And they're like, wow, you can do that? That was something for you? And they turned their lives around, and they're following Jesus today. I became a pastor at that church. It was so great for so many years. And now I'm a pastor here. And I have a beautiful wife and amazing son that I get to teach about Jesus to. God drew me in. It was a star. It was in the form of a male. Mailer. He had a plan for me. Even though I had left him and moved away, he never left. He was always there. It was just me. He filled the gap. And I knew I could come to him as I was. I didn't need to fix anything. He was going to do that. That's my story. What about your story? What about your story? Your story may be different than mine. It probably is, and that's okay. Your story, maybe you've grown up in church and you've been fine. You haven't experienced that pain. That's okay. You know what you can tell people? How you've been able to maintain how you've been able to navigate this world, knowing Jesus. And oftentimes we're, it's not a safe thing to talk about or understand. You can tell them your story, how you've been able to do that. Maybe that'll connect with them. Maybe your story today is you don't feel like it's worthy to even tell because you're still figuring it out. Battling addictions, battling sins, that's okay. I still do too. Tell your story, because you know what? There's somebody else that's doing that too, but the difference is they don't have Jesus, and you do. Tell them your story. Maybe your story is you've never experienced loss, or you've never experienced poverty and, and such, but you've been changed by the Lord, and you've been able to give what you have and the resources you have. Share that story too, because there's people that need to hear that. People need to hear 
our story, our wake-up call, our enlightened moment of when Jesus changes our lives. Tell others your story. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're listening today and you don't know Jesus. I'm here to tell you one thing. He loves you. He always has. He's not far from you. All you have to turn, do is turn around and look just like I did. You can come as you are. There's nothing that you need to do. He will change you and work within you. Let me tell you the difference, too. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with something, the difference with having Jesus, and this is what I experienced, the difference in having Jesus, when you struggle without him, you're doing it alone. You feel hopeless and you feel in the dark. When you do it with him, there's a hope that you can't experience without him. Something that comes over you, something warm, something great, wonderful, that you feel like you can get out of it, that life, that life can be better and lives can be changed. You also know you're not alone. He is with you. He is the light. He's going to light that darkness within our souls and guide us and move us. This is what happened when God manifests himself. We change, then we all change. I'm going to ask my friends Darren and Pixie to come down, and we're going to prepare for the Lord's Supper this communion this morning. In celebrating this day, this Feast of Epiphany, we're going to take part in a meal. A meal celebrating what was Christ did for the church by the breaking of the bread and by partaking of the juice representing the blood for what he did for us so long ago is relevant today. God manifests his in flesh and blood, taught his disciples to remember his story of sacrifice, and that's what we would do today, his story of his blood and his body broken for the sins of the world to restore creation. Now we're going to exit this way and we're going to come around the front. There is a gluten-free option if that's something you need. You're going to be handed a piece of bread. You're going to dip it into the cup, come to your seat and partake. But I'm going to ask something a little different this morning as we do this. As you come down, you will notice there is a table down here with some sticky notes and some pens. As you come down, this is totally voluntarily, I'm going to ask you to write down a name or people. There's a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, a son or daughter. Maybe the person who works at the grocery store you see every week. Somebody that you know that needs Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know that somebody that needs Jesus and you think they could hear your story this year, I want you to write down their name. And this is for you to keep. I want you to put it in your pocket. If you have a home you can go home to and you can put it on your mirror or maybe put it on your dashboard of your car. If you don't, put it in your pocket. Keep it with you. Keep this name there and pray about the opportunity to speak to them of your encounter. Maybe you can be that star for them this year. Maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe today is your wake-up call and this is your epiphany to help those. So as we come down, feel free to take that and write that and then come and Pixie and Darren will serve you. Thank you so much.